Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here, and the Knicks lost 119 to 108 to the Philadelphia 76ers. Why not splitting up Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle Moore might be costing this team? I've got some numbers to get into and some thoughts on that, as well as some of the other players that played in this game. Why RJ Barrett seemed to be a little bit of a wrongful scapegoat to some people, and more next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. Here he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. He's out. And he's out. Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. Stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. And if you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button and the notification bell on YouTube or the subscribe button and the auto download function on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode because we are here five days a week for you guys. I say we. It's been just me, Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland for most of this week. Gavin will be back next week, and we're going to start uh, getting getting back in the flow of, of being together on shows. We each took some much-needed vacations uh, over the last couple months and, and got to recharge our batteries a little bit, but we'll be back together in full force here pretty soon. Uh, but this game, the Knicks lose 119-108 to 108 to the Sixers, and they look pretty good for parts of this game, you know, they, they entered the half with a lead. They led by double digits at times, like things looked pretty good, but ultimately they didn't come through with the win. And I, I think, you know, a number of people pointed this out, like on Twitter, I know my buddy Schwinn, Schwinny Pooh pointed this out on Twitter that the staggering of Jalen Brunson and Julius Randall or lack thereof is really costing this team in many ways. And, you know, I think that there's there's a lot of lessons to be learned from a game like this when you have a team like the Sixers that do just that to great effect with two MVP caliber players, or at least at one time MVP caliber players, and James Harden and Joel Embiid. But I want to first, you know, give Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle their uh, their props for this game. I mean, they were both great. Brunson had 20 points in the first quarter, finished with. 30 points, 7 rebounds, 9 assists on 12 and 19 shooting. Clearly still kind of riding the high of uh, still being in Philly. I would assume he's been there for the last few days. Being in Philly, getting his jersey retired at Villanova the other day, uh, which yeah, I don't know if I mentioned it during the Hart pod, but the, the reaction where he learned that Josh Hart got traded to the Knicks was at his jersey retirement ceremony. So congrats to Jalen Brunson for, for that achievement. That's clearly a big deal getting your number retired anywhere is a big deal but you know somewhere where you won a national championship and all that certainly a huge honor 
maybe someday we'll see uh see his jersey number up in the rafters for the Knicks. Might might take a championship to make that happen, but who knows? Uh, but both uh, Randall too just was fantastic. Thirty points, ten rebounds, three assists, shot eleven to twenty for him. I think he was five of eleven from three for whatever reason. I didn't write that down, but you know, good volume shooting from three, keeping the defense honest as usual. And both of them are just so vital to the offense working right now. Uh, it makes it that much more bizarre that Tibbs still, even with a shortened rotation, still feels the need to keep them on the floor at the same time for most of their minutes. It seems like they almost sub in and out in tandem, which doesn't make a ton of sense when it's your two best players on the team. Uh, you really, again, don't have to look much further than right across the floor. The Sixers often have Joel Embiid and James Harden out there solo. And it works to great effect. Like you see it, you know, in the way that Embiid is able to cook a guy, you know, like in this game, you know, in a normal game against the Knicks, let's say, Mitchell Robinson has proven to be pretty decent at defending Joel Embiid. And yet the Sixers will time things out so that Joel Embiid gets some minutes against like the Isaiah Hartensteins of the world or the Jericho Simses of the world, uh, which both of them I think did as well as they possibly could have in this game, uh, particularly Sims. But, you know, it there's smart strategy to trying to game plan having one of your best players stay out there against the other team's not best players. And also pulling one of your players earlier and, you know, having them be able to come back earlier to close a half and what's so weird to me about Tibbs not doing this anymore is that he used to you know this was this was a thing I can remember specifically doing podcasts about this and talking about how smart it was back in 2020 to 21 Tibbs used to and this was you know Julius Randall was the offensive option in 2020 to 21 but Tibbs would sub out Randall first he would sub Randall out like with six, seven minutes sometimes to go in the first quarter and in the second, or sorry, in the third quarter. And it was to great effect. Like he would sub them out early. He would sub Randall out early, get Obi Toppin in there, let RJ Barrett run things with the second unit for a little bit. And RJ did a great job and RJ would usually play the whole first quarter. And then Randall would get to come in like a couple minutes into the second quarter in the fourth quarter and then close out the rest of that that quarter with a ton of rest on his you know on his legs and would generally look pretty good to close games you know and, and that was like a thing now the Knicks find themselves with more talent than they had at that time and so there's even more cushion to split up Brunson and Randall and yet they're not and that's it's just so bizarre to me like the fact that Tibbs had this figured out 2 years ago and was using it so well, and now all of a sudden can't figure this out is kind of bizarre to me because uh, now you're in a position where you can have RJ Barrett out there still. And, you know, he seems to, I have some great stats for the second segment to kind of get into here, but like RJ plays his best when he's with just one of those two individually. And Randall and Brunson seem to just kind of positively affect the game, no matter who they're playing with. So, why not split them up more? Like, I think a really easy way to go about it, since Emmanuel quickly has been your best bench player, why not have Brunson take on that role like what like what Randall was doing two years ago? Or play it by ear in any given game, right? Like we saw in this one, 
Brunson had 20 points in the first quarter. Obviously, you don't want to pull him out when he's super hot. Okay, fine. So pull out Randall first in this particular game and have Randall come out. And then, you know, if Randall is doing his thing that he normally does where he scores like 15 points in the first quarter, take Brunson out first and put Emmanuel quickly in. It, it doesn't seem that hard to me to, to make this happen. And yet Tibbs makes it seem really hard and always seems to feel like he has to approach subs short of like foul trouble. He approaches subs in every single game exactly the same way. And that's the problem. Like you can't, you in the NBA, you cannot just like go and paint by numbers and, you know, just show up to work. Like this is not like a clock in clock out enter data and spreadsheets kind of job. You know what I mean? This is a coach in the NBA is all about being adaptable and Tibbs is not often adaptable. He sticks to his script of, you know, this is when guys come out. This is when they go back in. This is the units that are going to play together. These are the players that are going to play together. And we're start. I, you know, it's so weird. I wonder if it maybe comes with his job being on the hot seat, you know, him, him being on the hot seat with his job status. But it seems like he starts to figure this out a little bit. Like we'll start to see a little more staggering and like different players, like closing games, whoever's like hot, whatever. And then all of a sudden he'll just go back to his worst tendencies and just go back to this super scripted, super like by the book. Like these guys are going to play this much period. That's it. Like in this game, it, it seemed like he was like, okay, Brunson and, and Randall are going to play the whole first quarter. And that's that. And, you know, then they're going to sit to start the second quarter and they're going to come back in with like four minutes left to close the half. And that's just poor minutes management too. I mean, it's not usually a great idea to like wear guys down in the first quarter and then do that. But besides the point, you know, when he subs them out in tandem like that, it just creates this, this power vacuum that the other team then can take advantage of where all of a sudden the two best players for the Knicks are out and the other team has this perfect opportunity to pounce and narrow a lead or whatever, which is exactly what the Sixers did multiple times in this game. Uh, first in the second quarter where they brought it, you know, brought the deficit much closer after the Knicks had a great first quarter uh, behind Brunson. And then in the second half, obviously they closed the gap and took the lead and then just never looked back and beat the Knicks. Um, so it's that's something that definitely has to change. But I have some numbers that would really support this being a good idea for the Knicks as well. So I'll get to that in the next segment. But first, I do just have to remind you guys that today's episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. Try it free for 30 days. That's enough time to try and completely forget about a subscription or service. Before you know it, you're paying for a subscription you don't use every single month. And with Rocket Money, you can change that with a few quick taps. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like that streaming service you bought to watch just one show, or that free trial you never even used. Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. There's no more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as a click of a button. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. And not only that, I've used Rocket Money and they'll renegotiate bills for you too. So like my internet bill was getting way too high. So I said, 
can you guys make it lower for me? They called Comcast on my behalf and negotiated a lower bill for me. And now I've saved like a good amount of money over the life of my, my subscription. So it's, it's pretty fantastic. Stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. All right. And I'm back to continue talking about this Julius Randall and Jalen Brunson thing. And here is a thing that I have learned from looking at some stats. Numbers would suggest that it is a good idea to split up Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. Now, this is not because they are bad together. They they actually are, are a pretty good pairing, all things considered. But it's more due to the fact that the highest paid guys on the team, the, the trio of Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and R.J. Barrett, don't actually play super great together and tend to play better with one another than they do as a collective unit. So like having two of them on the floor at any given time tends to be better than having all three of them on the floor at once, which seems to be more the, the Tibbs MO Uh, that is illustrated by the fact that they have played over 1100 minutes together uh, as a three-man unit this year. That's by far the most on the team for any three-man unit. And yet they are posting a minus 4.3 net rating over those 1,100-plus minutes. Uh, for those of you that don't know, a net rating is essentially how many points you score versus how many points that you give up uh, over the course of 100 possessions. So every 100 possessions, the Knicks give up 4.3 points more or like it's a 4.3 net difference uh, in the in the bad, in the red for the Knicks uh, when those three play together. And then if you look at, so this is going to be, this is a little interesting. So the, these are per NBA stats where these stats come from. But if you look at Brunson and RJ together as a two-man unit, they that number goes to minus 2.3 instead of minus 4.3. Then if you look at Brunson and Randall together, that number goes down to a minus 1.8 instead of a minus 4.3 with all three of them together. Then if you look at just RJ and Randall as a unit, it goes down to minus 2.2 instead of minus 4.3. So all that is to say, like the Knicks get pretty universally like two points per 100 possessions better with those with just the the two guys playing together versus all three of them. And the thing with those numbers too, is that they still those two man unit numbers between those guys are still factoring in the three man unit times as well. So those numbers should in theory, get even better if it's just those two on the floor together. Uh, so then I went to cleaning the glass and looked up some other numbers here. So there's a, a a large number of uh, units that you can look at and get those same net rating numbers and see, okay, like what are some, some units out there that, that, you know, don't include one of these guys. So I ran some filters where I was like, okay, with, with uh, Julius Randall and Jalen Brunson on and RJ Barrett off, what are some lineups and et cetera, et cetera, you know, with all these guys and all the two man combinations minus the third guy. So the starters Minus RJ Barrett plus Emmanuel quickly. So that's including Mitchell Robinson as the starter. Uh, it are a plus 5.9 in net rating. 
So that's a big improvement from the minus 4.3 that we see from the the Brunson, RJ, and Randall trio as a unit. So that's a pretty big deal. The starters with uh, Hartenstein in place of Mitch minus RJ plus Emmanuel quickly are a plus 13.9. That's even better, like by far. So, I mean, that's there's not a ton of data with that second number, but the first number has quite a bit of data behind it. And so to be a plus 5.9 without RJ Barrett there, tells me like you know yes that proves exactly what we think which is that Brunson and Randall are, are really good together and Emmanuel quickly is having a great year too but that's not necessarily to say that RJ Barrett is not providing positive value in different contexts right so unfortunately these next two things I'm going to bring up have a relatively small amount of data associated with them because of the fact that Tibbs just doesn't do it uh, does not play Brunson without Randall. Uh, but let's just look at a couple things anyway. So I ran a a search for what are some lineups with uh, Brunson and RJ on and Julius Randall off. And there's a bunch of little lineups that have only had like one, two possessions, probably like just times when Randall was getting ready to sub in and stuff like that. So I'm not going to count those. But when I ran that, so like, Brunson and RJ on Randall off. There's two bench lineups that are more than 30 points per 100 possessions in the positive. That is insane. 30 points per 100 possessions net rating in the positive. They're like a plus 30. I think one was like a plus 35 and the other was like a plus 31, which is absolutely insane. So Jalen Brunson, Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett, Obi Toppin, and either Isaiah Hartenstein or Jericho Sims. Those two lineups were a plus 30 and between the two of those lineups you had about 125 possessions total to show you that that those are working so that sort of supports my theory right what i just said in the first segment why would you not have jalen brunson go out there with like go out first at any given game like again randall is normally the one that goes crazy in the first quarter so why not have Brunson sub out first like you used to do with Randall back in 2021 and then bring Brunson back in earlier in the second quarter and have him play with the bench unit where clearly when he plays with the bench unit with RJ Barrett and with you know other various bench guys like Quickly and and uh Obi Toppin and you know Hartenstein they have great success together. So why not try that out a little more and let Brunson have some more time against opposing teams second units? And let him really just feast and set up his teammates and give them opportunities against the other team's bench. Doesn't make much sense to not utilize that to me. And yet here we are. So then again, a sort of annoyingly small amount of info to go off of here. But with RJ and Randall both on the court and Brunson off, there's two lineups that could probably be used a lot that are positive. So Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes, RJ, Randall. And Jericho Sims is a plus 9.4 in 37 possessions this year. So that suggests to me, again, supports this idea that Jalen Brunson should be getting subbed out earlier and being the first guy to leave the floor, which, you know, maybe you say, oh, well, that's counterintuitive. He's he's the floor general. He's blah, blah, blah. But Emmanuel quickly has been so good that you can insert him in there and that lineup's not going to skip a beat. And in fact, in some ways gets a little better because quickly – will defer to RJ and Randall a little more. I'm not saying like Brunson doesn't defer to guys, but he's generally expected to be running the show. 
Whereas then you can have this lineup where you still have RJ and Randall out there, just sub Emmanuel quickly. And then there's still a huge positive. So that's one lineup to look at. Then another sort of uh, benchy lineup, Deuce quickly, RJ, Randall, and Hartenstein are plus 5.9 in 67 possessions together. So two really good lineups. There are two ones that I think if Tibbs just opened up his mind a little bit to the idea of subbing Brunson out earlier in games. And again, this, this game is like the worst possible example for that, but that's more a case for flexibility than anything. But like, you know, normally Brunson will start the game well, but usually Randall is sort of the focal point early in games. So why not, you know, take advantage of that and get Brunson a little rest early and then let him come in and really have his moment in the second earlier in the second and fourth quarters. Seems pretty no brainer to me, but I don't know. I, it, I don't know why Tibbs opposes the idea of splitting Julius and Brunson up so much, even with a shortened rotation. But I think it's pretty clear if you just go off those numbers, I just mentioned, this seems like a, a home run and literally other, every other team with two stars does it all the time. So I don't know. Uh, but I'm going to come back in the final segment and do a little housekeeping. Uh, there was some people getting really mad online about RJ Barrett subbing in for Emmanuel quickly late in this game. Uh, I don't think that that was a huge issue. However, I do think that maybe another player should have been subbed out. So we'll talk about that in a sec. Talk about some of the problems that <laughs> uh, adding Josh Hart to this could provide given that there's already so much controversy about who should be closing games or whatever and talk a little bit about Jericho Sims and give him some props for having a pretty good close against uh, Joel Embiid but first I gotta remind you guys today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook and this year the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel America's number one sportsbook we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America FanDuel and if you're new to FanDuel that's even better they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet you get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. And I'm I'm super looking forward to the Super Bowl and to placing some same game parlays. It's my absolute favorite thing. I'm going to bet on lots of yards from uh, from Mahomes and lots of yards from Hertz and maybe a Kelsey touchdown at some point. Uh, perhaps some defensive things. They also offer all kinds of weird props for just for the Super Bowl. So. I'm going to make an absolutely preposterous same-game parlay ticket. Uh, the fans will, FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you get paid your winnings instantly. That's why I was using FanDuel Sportsbook before I was paid to, and even when we had a different sponsor as of like a month ago. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, and back to finish talking up here. So uh, as far as this game, I saw some people getting a little bit mad about RJ coming in for Emmanuel quickly late. And I think in the case of this particular game, maybe Quentin Grimes should have been the one to come out late in this game. Uh, and I'm not like crapping on Grimes or his performance or anything, but I, I think that more it more has to do with the fact that he was not doing anything so absurdly good that it made me think that he deserved to be out there more than quickly in RJ. Uh, so quickly ends this game with 13 points on five of eight shooting, had three assists. RJ had 19 points on seven of 16 shooting, 
shot three of five from three, had three rebounds, two assists. And shortly after getting subbed in late, he made a pretty decently big three, you know? So like he wasn't like not providing value out there. I just thought both those guys had really good games. Uh, they probably earned the right to be on the floor to close. Grimes played like 37 minutes and, I, I don't know. I guess my main thing with him in this game was he wasn't providing huge, huge value on offense. Um, you know, I, I don't think that he... I'm going to look at the box score because I didn't write it down. Yeah, he shot 3 of 7 overall and 0 of 4 from 3. I mean, a lot of his utility is shooting the 3 ball. And he's been... I mean, to his credit, he's been clutch as hell uh, lately and so has deserved to close plenty of, of games here. But, you know, ultimately was not having his best game. And also, I just didn't feel like you know, the thing with Grimes is that sometimes he can make up for not having a great offensive game by just being so above and beyond better on uh, defense that he's like, you know, it makes it like, okay, you know, you got to play this guy. I, I didn't think that he was affecting the game so much on defense that it made sense to keep him out there over the other two guys. And, you know, RJ was not exactly like a dynamo on defense either, but quickly was having a good defensive game, you know, certainly good enough that I would have said, like, I think quickly was giving James Harden more trouble than like Grimes was, for example. So I don't know. It didn't make much sense to me to not have those two close instead of Grimes and, and Grimes play like, I think what the third most minutes behind. I don't know. He played more minutes than Julius Randall and just behind Jalen Brunson. It just, it didn't make a ton of sense to me. In this game, when you have Emmanuel quickly and RJ both playing a shade under 30, uh, I, I just think it would have made more sense to have all three of those guys uh, or to have, sorry, RJ and quickly out there with Brunson and Randall and, you know, whomever you want to put out there at center to close. I thought uh, Sims was was pretty good. So, you know, that, that would have made that would have probably been my closing lineup. But unfortunately, I don't think these problems are going to get too much easier as far as who to play between the like guard wing guys on the Knicks. Uh, you're going to be involving Josh Hart in this mix. Uh, there was a quote from Tom Thibodeau about how he's going to entertain running Hart out there as the four at times, which I'll believe it when I see it. I can't see Tibbs ever putting a six foot four guy out there at the four, especially when he has a guy in RJ Barrett who is who has better size and has, you know, proven to be able to play the four for spot minutes. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, so I don't know if that means that we should be more worried about Obi Topping completely losing his role uh, to make room for Josh Hart or what, but I don't know. It's it's going to create some interesting things to keep an eye on here. I, my hope is that, I mean, as much as I like Deuce McBride, he'll just take Deuce McBride, but, Deuce McBride's minutes and maybe shave some off of Quentin Grimes's minutes, maybe a little off RJ's as well. But the who's who should be closing debate is not going to get any easier because they're clearly all very talented and all are going to have games where you think, I think this guy, this guy should be closing and they're not going to end up closing. Um, last thing that I'll shout out, pretty short final segment. There was only so much housekeeping. I, I just wanted to get on my soapbox about the the uh, Julius and Brunson thing mostly, but I thought Jericho Sims had a, a pretty good game. It was a learning experience for him, but I thought that he did pretty admirably against Joel Embiid. Uh, he really stuck with him man to man. I thought that he was, he was doing a good job of keep, you know, shifting his feet and not letting Embiid get, you know, too deep without resistance. But as Clyde noted, I think the biggest issue was he just kept reaching and that led to some fouls and some unfortunate, you know, Joel Embiid uh, uh, free throw attempts, 
Joe Embiid end, end with with free throw attempts. Embiid had 10, which is actually not that high for him. But I feel like a lot of those came from, from you know, Jericho Sims just like playing picture-perfect defense up until the point that he decided to stick his hand in and try to reach for the ball. And then Embiid just had those like scores mentality, like guard skills kick in, just be like, okay, time to move the ball through his hand and, you know, like jack up a shot here and get a foul call. And he did like without fail every time because Joel Embiid is like right now probably the best score in the NBA. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, I, I think that Sims just needs to tighten things up a little bit. But all in all, looked really good against a for real MVP candidate right now. So that's good. I do think he could also use uh, like Mitchell Robinson's go go gadget arms would have come in handy for all of Joel Embiid's mid-range shots because he definitely he had some issues with where Embiid would be out in the mid-range and it would be a situation where if it was Mitch he could camp the paint a little bit and protect against that person that was driving in before they kick it out to Embiid in the mid-range and then kind of make up that ground and Sims was trying to do the same thing but he would contest Embiid's shot but it wouldn't be a real contest like Embiid was getting it off totally clean so I don't know. It just that's just a limitation of Sims as a player, and nothing's really going to fix that because you can't teach size, unfortunately. But oh no, I, th- I thought it was a good showing for him. Uh, but that's pretty much all I got on this game. So thanks for listening, and uh, like I said, we'll be back uh, a little more full strength next week with Gavin and I, uh, and we'll have a recap for Monday morning. I think Gavin's actually going to go solo to break down what should be uh, Josh Hart's first game tonight against utah so he'll have the the deets on that and then we'll you know reconvene this coming week and uh be talking some nicks and going all the way through the all-star break and beyond with you guys so thank you all for listening and i will talk to you guys all soon peace out